You're listening to the Chancellor Pink Podcast on Chancellor Pink Radio. What do you think about the internet? It's got some good to it, doesn't it? It's got some evil too. There's so many interesting changes that have occurred to the world and particularly here in the United States based upon the proliferation of the internet throughout our culture. And I think we're seeing it play out in ugly ways currently with this pandemic and particularly with Trump. One of the ways we're seeing it play out ugly is that how are all these crazy ideas like the idea of disinfectant and light uh, killing the virus and therefore we should use them on human beings? Um, how did that get into his brain so that he stood up there in front of the world and suggested that needs to be scientifically investigated by doctors? monitored by doctors. Now he's saying today he was being sarcastic. It's a a lie. It's another lie. And anybody, anybody, 1000% of anyone who watches the press conference from yesterday when he talked about Drano effectively, I call it the Drano segment. (laughs) And, um, and then watches what he tried to tell the press as to it being sarcastic. Anybody that votes for him after that is a moron. I mean, you could just see the you know, you see the one, you see the other, you know he's lying. When he's lying about something that important that he would misstate or suggest such a dangerous concept to dumb people out there. But, of course, it's the dumb people who won't, who so go, oh, oh, okay, he was just being sarcastic, okay. Really? Anyway, where did he get that? And then you find out that there are Facebook groups and wacko conspiracy theorist types who have been talking about that. And the report that uh, that Trump had read to, at the press conference by his home, homeland security dude about how they're studying the virus, they're studying it on objects, and they're studying it what light and heat do to it, and what disinfectant does to it, you know, out in the open on objects, and it, and it's pretty effective in zapping it. So you know, the crazy people out there have developed the concept of taking those same elements and sticking them in your body to zap it in your body. And that's the kind of wacko shit that some holistic medicine crackpots, quacks come up with. And those are the kinds of theories that a lot of anti-establishment people want to believe, which is to say, I'm not going to listen to the doctors. I'm not going to listen to the scientists because they got a degree and they went to school somewhere. And that's all the man and that's all corporations and that's all the government and all that formal stuff and those formal accomplishments I now can throw away because I got the internet. I can learn and read and discuss Whatever the fuck I want to make up out of my crazy brain. It doesn't matter how many medications I am on, how many um, mental illnesses I've been diagnosed with. I'm going to pick and choose what I want to believe because I have the internet now. And before, when you went to a university, you had to read books. You had to be taught by teachers. And if you didn't apply and get in and learn that way, 
even even with not going to a university, uh, post high school, post secondary school, you had to read. You had to read books, and they had to be published, which means someone had to be approved by a publishing house who had to pay to disseminate those thoughts to people. So no matter how you sliced it back before the internet, concepts, intellectual concepts, especially anything related to science or medicine, the only way you could infect people's minds, to use an analogy, a relevant one, uh, with your sick, retarded ideas, like drinking Drano or Lysol, um, would be if you... If somebody that had a board responsible for approving who they were going to publish for a publishing house or the editor okayed you to be published and sent that out. Or if you got a job teaching in a university and somehow you slipped through the cracks and even though you were a crackpot, you got to talk about insane shit like that and they didn't report you and get you fired on your first day at the job and so on and so forth. We had vetting mechanisms in place that screened what people were able to hear and learn and see. And of course, of course, there's a, a concern with that as well in that who's controlling, you know, who becomes a professor, who's controlling who gets in to the universities, who's controlling which books get published, who's controlling what's printed in the newspaper, who's controlling what is able to be shown on network news broadcasts. There are always gatekeepers. And back in the day when they had, when we had, and the day was, I don't know, 15 years ago, <laughs> limited access to these sorts of things, knowledge, learning, theories, discussion. Um, the gatekeepers were people that had to earn certain stripes and have and basically, they themselves are vetted before they get the job of vetting any materials that are disseminated to the masses. And so, yeah, there's some inherent bias that's going to be there, some corruption, some, you know, nepotism, whatever you want to call it. Rich, hire the rich, you get in because you're rich, you know. But it's not all about money either. The good thing about America, the reason America was a great nation for so long is it really was a land of opportunity. You really could, like my father did, come from a very poor background and work your way up and get a master's degree and own a home and have a family with multiple cars and only one of the parents working. And you could have a nice life for your children and your family that way with one salary and multiple cars and a home and everything else. Because it was the land of opportunity. If you worked hard and were smart enough and tried to get smart and, and you know, if you paid your dues too, yes. The concept of paying dues is lost in our country now. If you went through the steps required to, in effect, be vetted. You got vetted and you made it. And... Yeah, you had to jump through some hoops to please the people on a board or to get a job or, you know, there are always um, some fair, some unfair. There are always screening uh, apparatus that you have to get through to get to somewhere in life 
or to learn something. And like I said, some of it's not fair and some of it is corrupt, but not most of it. Actually, we were going pretty damn good here as a country before the internet when there were only limited avenues to share information and those avenues were properly vetted. There were pockets of corruption and there were issues. There were always problems. But at the end of the day, it was a reliable system in that we knew that for the most part, where we're keeping out of people's brains the kind of garbage Trump fed to our brains yesterday. Trump's the president because of the internet. Those ideas are out there already on the internet. All he did yesterday was share internet ideas. So yes, it's wonderful to remember an old song and jump on your Google and find it and hear it again on YouTube or or your music streaming app and just play an entire album that you no longer have because you sold it in a yard sale, your vinyl records. And now you can go back and let's do it again on your streaming service. Or you can go and Google anything that comes to mind, sports trivia, math, and you can find a very good article. But guess what comes from that? Finding a shit article written by a crackpot down in their basement Or worse, a politically motivated or money-motivated lying source that deliberately is spewing misleading or false information in order to get an entire group of people to support a money or political advocate that this group is, is all about or this person who owns the site is all about. I mean, look what Russia did in the last election. So the internet is wonderful on the one hand because it's an open avenue to learn. But who's screening what's learnable on the internet? And because we have freedom, especially in America, but also on the worldwide net, you know, nobody's vetting these sites, nobody's vetting each article or blog, nobody's vetting the credibility of half the shit that is out there and what you've, what's happened. And just in the last 15 years or so, um, as groups have congregated together, they've, they've, they've under the banner of crazy ideas. There, there are a lot of paranoid people out there. There was a lot of anti-establishment, anti-government, bent in this country, even back in the Vietnam War in the 60s and so forth. So even liberal, it's not a matter of liberal or conservative. It's a matter of I don't trust. I don't trust. I don't trust the man. I don't trust my government. I don't trust corporations. Look, I grew up believing that. I wrote a wonderful, not wonderful. I wrote a song that was pretty damn good, but no, it's a good song called Military Man. And in it, I have verses, three of them that take down corporation man, military man, and government man. Well, I'm a government man now. How about that one? But but it's about, you know, not trusting in the people that have the power. And what about the average guy? So that's why we have unions, right? And that's why we have a lot of our plaintiffs' lawsuits in various ways, things that are sued over lawsuits. The legal system is there to protect the little guy. Um, but, but... We can't go overboard with that concept. I never, I never once, even when writing that song and being liberal-minded, ever wanted to bring down the government, felt that the system itself was completely corrupt and 
worthless. I always believed in the systems, whether they are the educational system, the higher educational system, the political system. I still believe in our systems because they've worked wonderfully. They have problems. They have issues. There are weaknesses involved in dealing with them. But we're seeing what can happen that's even worse, which is to ignore them and to act like just jumping on the Internet and developing alternative systems through Internet communication and contact. We're seeing how disastrous that can be. And it's playing out in real time, real time right now via our president who likes that crazy avenue. He and his tinfoil cap wearing supporters often uh, traffic in counterculture radical thought. And the thing that's extra scary about it is in the 60s and even the liberal internet loonies of today, mostly when they go counterculture, anti-government, it's pro-people, pro-choice, pro, uh, you know, uh, LGBTQ, uh, it's uh, pro-animals, uh, you know, pro, you know, so PETA or whatever, you know, it's uh, it's it's about, it's the economy, pro-green, I mean, the environment. So it's pro-union, you know, it's it's about establishing things that help people, that are loving, that are good. But what we're seeing from the Trump supporters is use of the internet that's anti, not just establishment and logic and reason and medical degrees and, you know, vetted sources of information, but anti-people, anti-life, anti-happiness, anti-goodness. We're seeing that what the internet has helped establish is these counterculture groups of hatred, They've allowed these hate groups to congregate, to communicate, to gain power, and to spread their lies and hatred throughout America and the world. And that's a terrible and frightening consequence of the otherwise pretty wonderful internet. If you didn't have the internet, you wouldn't have a place where these Haters could feed their desire for hatred and crackpot ideas and anti-anything stable and kind or at least vetted and proven. They can feed their desire to rip it all down, blow it all up, shoot it all down, you know, with, with these internet chat rooms and groups and websites and what you have is people who selectively choose what they read. They find the anti-establishment haters like them, and those are the sites they click on. And those are the places they, they look at news from on Facebook. And those are the people and ideas they follow on, follow on Twitter. And every once in a while, you see one of these hate groups and crazy wackos being retweeted by our president now. Because he traffics in that crap. We found this out through Roseanne Barr. 
She started talking wacko crazy shit, and she was a big Trump supporter. Even she bailed on him, but he came from roots of, I mean, the birther thing with Obama, a crazy, wacko, paranoid idea that he talked himself into legitimately believing it was a lie. It's something people wanted to believe because they were racist. They made it up. They ran with it. Because of the internet, it got traction. You see this every day on Twitter. You see the very radical right-wing hater people that are on there intentionally stir up hashtag things to trend on Twitter so that some crazy concept like Hillary being sick, Hillary dying, Hillary with cancer, when she was running for president, that one time that she fainted or whatever, they caught it on video. People were openly promoting hashtags to trend on Twitter that said things about her that weren't true, about illnesses, cancer, Hillary, or whatever, because they want to brainwash the dummies out there who believe lowest common denominator crap that the internet sadly makes available to be believed. So, so at the end of the day, it's the cost of freedom. It's the cost of democracy. We are in a free country. The internet's free in the world for most people, unless you're in China. <laughs> and um, when you let people be, you're going to have them, you're going to be providing them with an opportunity to congregate into groups of idiots and freaks and hate groups and so on. But we didn't used to have... Those types of people didn't have a stage to perform on. They didn't have a means of disseminating their crap to, to tons of people. And they were quickly sort of smothered out and silenced by shaming and an understanding by the majority of Americans that that kind of crazy talk or hate talk is wrong and not healthy and not okay. We allow people to be free to a point and then we silence them or ignore them, more, more like ignore them when they're fringy, radical, crazy wackos. But because of the internet, those people grew in number and strength and voice in this country. And Trump is the result of that. And now we're seeing him, now we're seeing the result of having him as president too which we all feared uh, in 2016. We knew there would be a crisis, lives would be at stake, and this man would not be up to the task. And boy, has he proved us all right um, by playing Dr. Death on live television and lying and misstating and changing and backtracking. And, you know, but it's too late. It's too late the... Uh, What's the, what's the phrase? The the cat's out of the box or the loaf of bread is out of the basket. <laughs> the poop's out of the butthole. And um, it's time for us to wipe. And it's time to flush. <laughs> and hopefully uh, we'll be doing that in November. I'm going to end this podcast with one quick word of warning or thought, and it's about November. Um why are we delaying in immediately seeing passing in Congress uh, and having the president sign if he has to do so at um, 
under coercion than bring on the mob or whoever we can get to bully him into signing it. But why are we not passing legislation allowing all Americans to vote from home, uh, creating a method that validates it. I mean, if everyone can pay, make payments from home, from their checking accounts and so forth, if, you know, I mean, I understand it's probably, there's some hacking issues. There are probably a lot of issues that could come up. Let's get rid of, let's take care of them. Whatever the issues are, let's address this because it's quite clear that come November, we're not going to be able to vote. I mean, the virus is going to be out there. That's in the fall. It may even be bouncing back radically hard then. But one way or another, it's going to be out there, and we're not going to be ready to not social distance yet. We won't have a vaccine in November. People can't just stand in line, and you certainly can't stand six feet apart in a line in a presidential election. Can you imagine the lines wrapped around where? The traffic? It would be a madhouse a madhouse, and it would call into question the integrity of the election way more than a validly created mail process for voting or internet process, some process for voting that we can do that's not in person, uh, and we need to establish that. Now, what are we waiting for? This is a huge election coming up in November. Why are we leaving it to chance? Why are we crossing our fingers, hoping against hope that we can all just stand in line again and cram together in November because it'll all be fine then? No, it's not going to be. Wake up. This needs to be a priority now. I know we have lives to save now. I know we have, you know, treatments and vaccines to work on. I know we have testing to get up to speed and we've got reopening to work on. All the governors are working on that. I understand all that. But front and center as one of those main issues that we should all be focusing on in the United States currently is November, the election. How are we going to deal with that? Let's create a solution. Let's create a plan, a nationwide plan. Now, I know the voting is a state-to-state issue too, so I guess we can't enforce a nationwide plan. But at least we could create at the federal level an efficient and safe an effective and protected form of alternative voting and put out a plan for it or offer it to all the states. You know, something like that, where they can all then say, oh, okay, I'll use that federal voting method, you know? That makes sense. Why don't, why don't we do that? Um, leaving it to each state to develop how they're going to handle their own elections in the, in, in the, during the course of a, a fall pandemic? I don't know. This is way too important of an election to leave to chaos at the last minute. We saw what happens when we push things off to the side, assume it'll get better and everything will be okay. We've seen what happens, 50,000 deaths currently in this country, just in a little over a month. I mean, holy cow. So let's not have that kind of catastrophe strike our presidential election in the fall, please. All righty, stay safe, wear your masks when you go out, social distance, and if they start you back up wherever you are, wear your mask and social distance. Don't get lazy. Don't get complacent. Don't think it's okay. It isn't. Don't think the virus isn't out there. It's going to be with us for a year. We are in the second inning of a nine-inning ball game. We're going to be dealing with this for at least another year. None of us are going to be safe from getting it, and we don't know what it's going to do to us, any of us, at any age.
it causes long-term organ damage, lung damage. It can cause blood clotting issues. Even if you recover from it, you might have fatigue and you might end up dying in five more years because your heart breaks down and you might develop heart, heart weakness. This is the shit that happens. This is not a normal flu or cold. This is a virus that can stick with you, even if you survive it. And it's going to be with us for at least another year in terms of a threatening presence until we get a vaccine. So don't get lazy. Don't get complacent. Don't think you're fine because you're younger or you're fine because your state doesn't have that many or your area doesn't have that many. Be cautious. Protect your family, the ones you care about. Protect yourself. And um, hang in there. I love you. Yabba da boop